Can you still hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Could you hear me? Yes, I can. Perfect. All right. Okay, so it looks like we are probably already live to YouTube. And now I'm going to grab the link and share it. Would you want to drop it on your Facebook as well? Uh, yeah, I could drop it later. That's fine. Okay. I'll just tag you. Okay, that'll work. Okay. We're just getting set up here. I see a few people are dropping into the live and Josh is here. Hey, nice to see you. And uh, if you feel like it, please click the share button and pass the word around that we're going live with Wayne McCroy Jr. I know there's usually a little tiny bit of lag between YouTube and, and the actual streams. So exactly. Like also true. Maybe a That's few it. seconds behind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. One more share, one more swear, and then we're done here. Okay, perfect. All right. Hello and welcome to this live King Heroes Journey interview with Wayne McCroy, who is the author of two very important books. I haven't been through them in entirety, but I've uh, sifted through and I know the content of it. And I've heard you, Wayne, speak so many times with the Crow 777 team. Welcome to this interview, Wayne. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thanks for having me here, Beth. I always uh, appreciate any kind of a platform to, to reach people's minds with uh, a lot of this information. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're already getting some love in the chat here. So I'll I'll apologize in advance that I usually pay full attention to the interview and then I like to go back and see the chat comments later, but uh, I do see Sue is there and uh, they're, they're giving you some love. Uh, it's good to have them here. Hi, Sue. Good to, good to have you in the chat. Such a great community and family that uh, the Crow 777 family has attracted. I honestly can't appreciate it enough. It's such a beautiful thing and it's exactly what we need right now in this world are those visceral connections with people who are genuinely interested in each other's findings and uh, have open, courageous hearts. Do you want to take a few minutes, Wayne, and, and on that note, describe to people what it is that you do and what inspired you to do it in the first place as the author of these two great books? And uh, go ahead and tell them the titles as well, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. I, I currently have two books out right now. Uh, my first book is called The Alchemical Tech Revolution, Fulfilling Ancient Esoteric Agendas Through the Use of High Technology. And my more recent book is called The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism's Dirty Little Secret. Uh, both are available on Amazon or at pretty much any other fine book retailer at this point. I'm currently working on my third book, which, uh, you know, is, is kind of been really laborious for me right now. It's, it's uh, called Cybernetic Messiah building the antichrist system and uh you know it's very uh, yeah it's very keyed in on things that are going on right now and to be real honest uh, i've kind of been procrastinating a little because 
I'm not liking some of the conclusions that I'm coming to uh, in the research of this book. And it's, it's kind of going to be a really gritty book by the time it's all said and done. But it's, it's important anyway. The information there is important. But uh, it's very pertinent for the time we're in. Um, how I got involved in all of this. Basically, I'm just a regular guy. was working a regular job, doing my thing, uh, raising my family and going about my business and uh, had a couple synchronistic things happen to me over the course of several years that kind of led me down a path of exploration into a lot of different things. And this started for me actually in my childhood, I was always kind of intrigued by paranormal type topics and things like that. So I had always had an interest in these things like passively. So I, I would watch stuff on TV or whatever was available at the time. Well, Come about uh, 2006, I think it was in the fall, if I remember correctly, uh, I had a UFO encounter one night, and that kind of sent me searching down uh, the UFO topic once again, rather deeply, and uh, kind of the places that it branched out were a little surprising to me at that time, but uh, through this, uh, it led to different many trails through secret societies, uh, mystery school, religion, uh, things going back to the occult, all these different occultic links. So I kind of like to tell people I accidentally became an expert in occult philosophy because of this. So mm -hmm. that's where I started my exploration in these things. And then a couple of years later, uh, when my son was three months old and had a DTAP shot, uh, he had a very severe reaction to it and almost died in front of my eyes. Oh. And uh, he had later developed autism. So that sent me searching uh, down a very different set of paths of information and lo and behold, it all ties together anyway, even with the occultism and, and all of it, it all ties together. And that's been my discovery. So I've been uh, really actively, vehemently searching through this stuff for the past 15 years, more or less, and uh, doing this, this heavy duty research. And the things I've found have been surprising, shocking, uh, just very, very disturbing in a lot of ways. But uh, you know, I came to the decision later on after talking to my wife, how many, this has got to be back in 2017. Now, this is when I first went public with everything. Mm -hmm. uh, after a lot of soul searching and uh, in prayer, uh, I felt a calling upon my heart from, uh, I'll, I'll say the Holy Spirit. I don't know, you know, whatever other people's sensibilities are. This is how I see it. I had a calling on my heart from the Holy Spirit to pursue this avenue of research. And my wife suggested to me, you know, you've been looking at this stuff for so long. I'm tired of hearing about it. Why don't you write a book? So I mm. sat down and started writing a book with no foreseeable path forward. But mm. you know what? When you put your trust in God and you're called according to his purpose, he sets down the road for you. And that's what I discovered through this because I, I had no inlet into any type of audience whatsoever. But lo and behold, I, by chance, happened to come back in contact with an old friend of mine, a childhood friend, and his name's Jason Langren. Uh, we grew up together. We were best friends when we were, we were young children, and we lost touch for about 25 years, and I sincerely regret having done so, but uh, uh, I come to find out that he's kind of pursuing similar avenues of research himself, and he's involved with Crow 777 on the Crow 777 radio podcast. Which at that point in time, I didn't even know that existed. I had heard of Crow and heard him on some different interviews on shows like the Higher Side Chats. 
and uh, something about his the way he presented himself always kind of uh, resonated with me. So I was excited to hear, oh, wow, you know Crow. He's like, yeah, I'm actually his co-host. And I'm like, no, I didn't even know Crow had a podcast at that <laughs> So lo and behold, I started listening to Crow's podcast and so many things resonated with me about what they were talking about. And, uh, you know, I had mentioned to Jason when we first got back in contact, I was actually writing a book at that point. I was in the process of writing my first book. Mm -hmm. So he's like, when you get it done, you let me know and I'll have you on and we'll get you out there. So lo and behold, there was a road page before me to actually get uh, an audience for this material. So it's amazing the synchronicities that, that the good Lord lays in place for you uh, when you actually do what he calls you to do. And, you know, that's just basically how I got to where I'm at today. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of uh, uh, blood, sweat and tears have gone into my research and my books. And, uh, you know, it's... It, a lot of it's very personal for me too. And that's why I, I just have this passion for it. So that's why I'm out doing the things I'm doing because I want people to know, hey, we could still turn this thing around. But mm -hmm. uh, if we don't stand up and do something now, especially right now, now's the time for action. We have to do something right now or this thing's going to roll over us like a steamroller. And it's coming whether you're ready or not. So we need to wake up as many minds as possible in this time right now to realize that there's a bigger agenda going on here than just a quote unquote illness or pandemic. Uh, this, this is unprecedented. And they say so all the time uh, with this whole thing, but make no mistake, this is being used as a vehicle for a very real agenda that does not have your best interests in mind. And that's the most important thing I want people to take away from this whole, whole thing is to understand there's a real agenda that's rolling out here. It doesn't have your best interests in mind or that of your children or your family. And uh, the ends of which are extremely dystopian. And I want my children to have a future. And that's why I do everything I do. I don't want my children to have to live in a dystopian Orwellian nightmare hellscape. So that's why I am out talking about the things I'm talking about, and, you know, whether people think I'm crazy or not, you could think I'm crazy all day long if you want to, but <laughs> actually go look at the stuff that I source and I cite. Okay. And then after you've put in 15 years of research into this stuff, then tell me there's nothing to it. And that's my position at this point. So uh, if people want to listen, great. I'm just a messenger uh, and make that very clear to people. You could take, take it or leave it. You know, the, the message I have for people, it, it's your choice. It comes down to what you do with the information. You could choose to ignore it and pretend like this stuff's not really happening, or you could take heed, take notice, stand up and remove your consent from it all. And uh, then maybe we could have a better future. But that's, that's just basically, you know, the position that I come from with a lot of this stuff. Uh, like I said, I started out pretty much, you know, looking at the UFO topic because uh, anti-gravitic uh, propulsion systems and stuff like that has always been something that intrigued my sensibilities for, for the sciences and stuff like that. So uh, I, I started looking there and uh, I found that the more that you follow that rabbit hole down to its invariable end, you find occultism all tied in with it. Secret societies, mystery school religions, all of it, it all ties back into the ancient past. And that's kind of how I I came to the crux of where I was when I wrote my first book. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, you know, basically my background. I'm just a regular dude. I have mostly primarily a background in business 
Uh, so, you know, Good. that's, that's, that's basically where I'm at. I, you know, I just a regular guy with a regular job, uh, just trying to reach people's minds because this laid heavily upon my heart and my mind that this is something that needs to be done. And, uh, you know, my, I, I figured if I don't speak up and say something, who is? And that's mm -hmm. the problem. Everybody's always looking around for somebody to stand up and say something or do something. Somebody mm -hmm. to stand up in a crowd and say, no, this is wrong. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. I mean, by and large, people are waiting for somebody to do that, but nobody takes action to do it themselves. And I thought, mm -hmm. you know what? I, I have to set the example for my children. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I need to do something because if, if I don't do something, then who's going to? So, you know, that's that's kind of how I got to where I'm at today, just to kind of put it out there for people. That's so great, Wayne. I, I'm, you know, just having huge admiration for what you've done and uh, being that regular guy. For those who haven't tuned in with a King Hero's Journey podcast interview before, I just want to let you know that a King Hero is someone exactly like Wayne. Honestly, just hearing your voice, I knew I wanted to have you on. And then I was affirmed by looking at, you know, everything that you've been through and what inspired you to write your books. But the King Hero is the one who is willing to have the unpopular voice, who is seeing suffering in some respect in the world, and they can't just sit back and do nothing about it. And they apply themselves because, well, you know, if, yeah, if, if, if it were a matter of just looking after your own family, there's probably all kinds of ways you've, you've done that. You don't have to do this, what, what you're doing. But, but like you said, you've, you've answered the call. And that's exactly the theme of my entire work. If everyone was to answer their call and get out and do their part, however big or small, yeah, you're getting some great props in the, in the chat there. Wayne's my hero, Sue just said. Oh, I'm, I'm really honestly humbled. Mm -hmm. I mean, I never expect to be anybody's hero. I'm a regular dude. I just don't want a total horrible future for my kids. Like, that's what it's about. And I'm sorry if I'm getting emotional here, but... Like, I'm crying too. Anyway, I, mm -hmm. I don't do any of this stuff because I want people's admiration. I don't. I don't care about that. I don't mm -hmm. care what people's opinion are of me. Mm -hmm. um, it's nice that people resonate with it. That's great. I'm glad they do and they're getting the message. But I just do not want my children to suffer the way that I know they're going to if this whole thing goes through the way they want it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's very personal for me. And uh, this is probably the first time I'm really getting really emotional like this, talking to somebody. But I mean, it it is it's personal for me. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. I have a personal beef with the power structure at this point, a very personal one. And I'm I'm angry about it. I'm upset about it. I don't want people to suffer. I'm tired of seeing people suffering because yeah. most of it is unnecessary. And you know, I just. It breaks my heart. Uh, like yesterday, for instance, my wife and I stopped to see a family friend for Mother's Day, drop off some flowers and do something nice. And she was so afraid of all this nonsense going on, that standing outside her house with a mask on out in her own front yard, uh, wouldn't come within six feet of us. We, you know, could, normally she would give us hugs and kisses and everything, mm -hmm. but she she just wouldn't even do that because she mm -hmm. was so fearful of all this and it just breaks my heart to see people in this state people i care about in this state where they think this thing is going to kill them and you know or or they're or even worse that they're going to actually not have it and not realize it and give it to somebody else 
and this this state of fear and nonsense this needs to stop and this is what makes me truly angry because they are manipulating people's emotions and in minds in just unbelievable ways and it, it's it, it just it really frosts me at this point because i hate to see people in that kind of a state of mind because that is not a sound mind now the bible says that the lord has given us a, a sound mind and not a spirit of fear and this is totally based on a spirit of fear and i i just i i it just kills me to watch society walking around like this a mask on their face which does nothing literally does nothing when you look at the scientific research behind it all if you go back and look at all the studies it's like putting that uh, a screen door on a submarine as my friend baldini says so <laughs> it, it's basically what it is it's not going to stop anything it's not going to prevent anything it's all psychological they like to play psychological mind games with the people mm -hmm. and uh, it, it just really irritates me at this point because i hate to see people looking at each other suspiciously oh that guy's not wearing a mask he must mm -hmm. want people to die and yeah. this is the whole uh you know kind of uh 1945 germany mentality of things okay yeah and that's the way i see it so anybody out there whether you're in law enforcement or any type of government role if you're going to enforce this stuff you are complacent in war crimes <laughs> understand that you're complacent in war crimes and you're going to be held accountable someday for that by a higher court whether it be on this earth or somewhere else look at the nuremberg trials and and that is the thing like that really really gets me is people will willingly go along with this stuff and uh just to kind of go along to get along when you know you know in your soul morally it's wrong so that it, it's it's a call for people we need to take a step back for a minute and say time out okay this is not the america i know and we need to just put an end to this nonsense already it's too much already people are at the breaking point uh, mm -hmm. it, it's mm -hmm. terrible i mean here where i'm at in pennsylvania we've been on lockdown since the, the beginning of march it's been over two months now a lot of people haven't seen a paycheck since the beginning of march for two months yeah and uh you know, food supplies are getting short places. You, you go in, they put limits on what you could buy. Uh, there's not as much stuff available in certain stores. And, uh, you know, to top it all off, people who haven't had a paycheck, their rent's coming due, but, you know, do they have the money to pay it? No, probably not. And then you have to figure who who's their, who are they paying their rent to? The person who owns the property. They're not getting a paycheck because they're not getting the rents. And they can't do anything. They can't force you to pay your rent in a situation like this. And they know it would be morally wrong to do so. But I, I mean, it creates a whole separate set of problems that are much more deadly than this alleged virus. Mm -hmm. And this is what's going on. And it's, it's never been about people's health. Let's make that perfectly clear from mm -hmm. the get go. This has never been about people's health, something that has a survivability rate of like a 99.8% is not about anybody's help. Uh, so this is all about uh, putting a control grid in place. So this is what it's about. And they, they want a medical control grid because that way uh, they could biometrically monitor you from cradle to grave, essentially, and have total control over everything you do. 
So that's that's what it's about. It's all about setting up a, a technocratic control grid. And uh, they're going to use the medical system to get there. And they're using this emergency as the vehicle to do so. And uh, at first, I'll admit, I was wrong early on. I didn't think much of anything was going to come of this thing. Me but, too. Uh, oh. Yeah, I mean, as we're going through, they're really going for it. They're putting all their cards on the table here. They're going for it. Uh, so we still have a chance. There's enough dissenting voices out there to say, hey, let's put a stop to this now before it gets out of control and we can't do anything about it. So that's where we're at right now. So we need to all just stand up in mass and say, no, we don't consent to this. Uh, forget about it. Roll it back, you know, into, back into your, your planning rooms somewhere. We're not having it. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what we need to do. And we could still do that and turn this thing around. I don't want to see this dystopian future unrolled that they have in mind. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of these technologies and stuff. They could have good uses. Don't get me wrong. Technologies are a tool like anything else. You can use them for good or for bad. And right now, the people that are wielding them are wielding them for their own self-interest and for the bad of the, the masses at large. So I don't want to see that come about because, uh, you know, people are just not not understanding the the magnitude of this whole thing at this point, I think. By and large, the public doesn't understand the magnitude of it because they've just been so brainwashed into uh, believing that the, the quote unquote news that comes on their, their television channels is telling you true things when it's dem demonstrable that they're not. They're not telling you true things. It's all mm -hmm. spin and it's all propaganda at this mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. And people don't seem to even pick up on that. And it's it's very frustrating for someone like me who has been looking at this stuff for a long time now and is able to pick it apart and realize the logical fallacies that they're pushing out there and understand what's going on but to try to convey that message to other people when they just shut down when you try telling them about it it's it gets frustrating so it, it's it's just something that uh, we're going to all have to deal with at some point but uh, you know the more people that are waking up to it the better and i do see people waking up in larger numbers now so that's a good thing going for us. Mm -hmm, totally. I'm, uh, I'm seeing the same thing. It seems to have really polarized people, which in a way is good because those that were wanting to wake up are going, oh, okay, there's something really big going on here. It needs my attention. Uh, it's also had the effect that, you know, the people who were asleep have become even more committed to being asleep. They've become more ardent. You know, I'm, I'm seeing my own friends and family write about people like us on their posts. I try not to read them anymore because I don't want to engage at that level. Uh, but it's, it's um, they're, they're wishing harm to people who don't follow the, the narrative that's going on out there. And, and that's, that's pretty, that's pretty, you know, I'll say shocking, but we shouldn't be shocked. That's what fear does to people. Now, where, I'd like, I'd really love to get this message to the people who are brave enough to look up and look out. And, you know, maybe they're just talking to each other at this point. I was like that for a while too. I couldn't go public with anything. I just had to keep, uh, you know, processing and getting affirmation for my perceptions. Finally, I'm like, okay, the cat's out of the bag. I have to speak. And I withstood a number of attacks. And I know, especially Wayne, with your subject, having had children that, like you said, your, your child almost died in front of you after being vaccinated. 
um, dealing with autism, going to the core of the cause of autism, looking at all of these things. And I know I've heard you say it point blank that, that you understand what the cause to be. I know you withstand a lot of attacks from that. Where do you get, and I want to talk about that too, but where do you get the courage to, to, to say it anyway? How do you find that inside yourself? That's a good question. I mean, honestly, I, I just see it as my duty as a father and a man to just tell it like it is. I mean, it's it, it's not anything that's necessarily courage, I don't think. It's just, it. I got to tell somebody. Like, I found this. I, I have a basic overall idea of what's going on. And I just need people to know. Uh, maybe somebody smarter than me could pick this up maybe find some kind of, uh, you know, remedies for these situations and uh, do something to change it. But that doesn't start unless somebody says something. I've been the same place. I, I went, I oiled for, for years in obscurity and alone looking at this stuff with, with no, uh, no one to talk to about it. No, no outlet for it. And, uh, you know, it, it, after a while, it just, it builds up so much. Like there's, there's just so much information and just so many supporting things uh, that really verified the ideas I was having that it's just like, how do I express this? And that's like I said, when my wife said, why don't you write a book? So I started to write the book and, you know, like I said, then, then the paths were open to me. The doors were open to me mm -hmm. after that, because uh, I firmly believe if you follow God's calling for your life, he's going to make a way for you. If that's what he wants you to do, that's what you do. And I'm no looking back, no regrets. I'm, I'm moving forward with this thing because it's the only direction I have to go at this point. Like, what, what else do I have to lose? And yeah. that's the thing. What do I have to lose? I don't want my children to wind up having this terrible dystopian future. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want that for them. So in order to, you know, do everything I can to make sure that that doesn't come about, if I look silly, so what? If I was wrong, great. I would be more than happy to be wrong about this stuff. Yeah. Honest to goodness. I would <laughs> love for in the future for people to look back and laugh at me and say, look at that nutball. <laughs> he thought this and that. Boy, was he ever wrong. I would like nothing better than that. Honestly, yes. I don't care about being right about this stuff. I would prefer to not be right about it. But, uh, you know, it, if I see this coming and I don't warn people, then I feel that's on me. Mm -hmm. It goes back to the whole idea in the Bible of the watchman. The watchman's put in place. If the watchman sees the attack coming, he blows the horn to warn the people. Mm -hmm. That way the people know it's coming. Now, if he sees the attack coming and doesn't blow the horn, then the people don't know. Then the blood of the people is on his hands. So, you know, but if he blows the horn and the people don't listen, then the blood is on their own hands. So that's the way... I see this whole thing. I'm, mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just a messenger. I'm just putting this stuff out there. Uh, you could, you could laugh at it. You could walk away from it. You could take a, a good serious look at it and do something about it. Those are your choices. And uh, it's not my place to make your choice, but it is my place to put the information out there. And like I said, if at some future time it comes back, I was wrong on this. I would be thrilled to be called that silly man and be laughed at. Mm -hmm. That'll be fine with me. I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. That would be great. As long as my children have a future that's worth living. And so 
what makes it worth it for you along the way? So I, I hear what you're what you're reaching for. Uh, it's noble, you know. Thank you for doing this work in the first place. What are the because this is what I've noticed for myself, especially in these last two months now that, uh, you know, the first thing that happens when COVID hits is uh, three of my clients who were about to book with me backed out. It was a $20,000 loss. And I just went like, ugh, you know, like right away it hit me. I, th I think we're so invulnerable here in Canada in a sleepy little town in, the, in South Central Canada. Uh, but all of a sudden, boom, it's right in my face. And uh, so for about five minutes, I thought, okay, I'm just going to lay down and die. I'm going to uh, prep my ass off and I'm going to live on savings and just, you know, hope for the best. And then about five minutes later, I, I got my head up out from underneath that shadow and I went like, no way. I'm not going to lay down and die. Actually, I'm going to come out stronger than ever. I'm going to do more of my work. I'm going to reposition myself to be of use in this time. What what could I create right now that will actually be of service to people in this context that we're in? And now looking back over the last eight weeks, it's been a time of both incredible grieving and loss facing what's going on <clears throat> on the planet or on this earth. And at the same time, it's been incredible joy, incredible success, incredible satisfaction in my work, watching people, you know, I built a whole new program, training people in all of the modalities that I use to help my clients with, watching them get results. What makes it worth it for you to, to go day by day doing this work? Well, what makes it more gratifying for me is, uh, you know, the fact that I could look and see people waking up to this stuff right and left. Uh, the way people are talking now, they're realizing something's not right here. Uh, and this Bill Gates guy, why does he have so much say in everything? And it's like people are questioning stuff. So I feel like I've done something. I've made a difference in some way, no matter how small, even if it's just through a small community. Somebody out there has heard what I've said and actually taken the time to go and look at things and question things. And that's what it's about. Question everything. If I had a motto, that's what it would be. Question everything. Because, you know, a lot of times you find at the bottom of it all, there's an agenda behind it. And where there's an agenda, there's usually a propensity to steer things in a certain direction, whether they're correct or not. So once you could analyze, uh, you know, what the objectives are and the agendas behind things, then you could know a little something more about them and understand that what's being presented to you may not be necessarily how it is. So then you have to actually go digging for truth. And that's the whole key. You're not going to find truth just out there on your TV screen. They're not presenting you truth ever. You have to look for it. You have to actively look for it. If you just passively sit by and let that screen dictate to you what's real and what's not, you'll never know. You'll never know. And you'll just blindly follow along to your destruction. And that's where people are going right now. They're being blindly led to their destruction. And they don't see it. They don't see it coming. I, I would advise people, look back at history. What's going on right now? This is like 1945 Germany. Okay. Mm -hmm. It starts out, okay, well, we want to make sure that you don't have the virus. So we're going to send you to this facility to get tested. And, and then at what point does it get to where you're being led away to a hospital to die or something. 
you know, and of you know mysteriously, and that's kind of if you look back at history how it went, people they just went along with what they were told, and here's the difference here in America. Okay, we have our Second Amendment rights, and by and large, we have a way to say no to these people without them coming in with their jackboot troops and dragging us out. So if we don't stand up here in America now, the rest of the world's gonna fall too, because this is the last bastion of freedom that's left on this planet uh, when it comes down to it. When, when you really look at it, I mean, they've managed to take the guns everywhere else, Australia, England, you name it. I mean, there's very few places where there's actually, you still have the right to defend yourself against, uh, you know, militarized forces that uh, are, are put there by your government. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's what the whole Second Amendment's about. It's not about hunting. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about defending yourself from tyranny, from a tyrannical takeover of your government. And that's kind of what's been going on for the past, oh, I don't know, a couple hundred years here in america mm -hmm. uh slowly over time they just whittle away at your rights one by one and whittle away at your sensibilities one by one until the point comes when you're so complacent to it all that they could just walk in and do whatever they want and you won't do anything about it and we're just about there but the only thing really holding them back from just a hundred percent marching in dragging you out of your house to vaccinate you and test you and put you in a facility right now is our right to bear arms and that's mm -hmm. it and uh, once they, they succeed in uh, taking away those rights here in America, it's game over. So mm -hmm. right now we need to stand firm and say, no, we're not consenting to this. Uh, take your stupid vaccine and take your stupid testing and your whole pandemic nonsense and get packing with it. All right. I'm not saying there's not something out there making people sick. There is. I mean, it's obvious that there is, mm -hmm. but the numbers that they give us are just wildly skewed. There's no way to know for sure just how deadly it is. If you even look at their numbers, it, it's a lot less deadly than the way they portray it in the media. So mm -hmm. yeah, there's something to it, but does it necessitate locking down all of society and destroying world economies? No, mm -hmm. never mm -hmm. did. And this was never about people's health, not at all. It's just a useful excuse for the power structure to use to implement their Orwellian nightmare plans. And mm -hmm. that's a fact, Jim. It's the same strategy all along of, uh, of causing trauma, right? So if you look at, so they're, they're pathological liars. You can see how practically everything that's published is upside down or a lie in some way. So they're giving us numbers that are well below any kind of actual pandemic situation. There is not cause for big alarm um, you know, they planned for 65 million people to die in the simulation, but the actual numbers that they are publishing are so much lower. And they could just lie and publish way higher numbers and tell us like, well, you're just not seeing it. It's in this pocket and that pocket. Uh, but they don't. They, they, they want to create a situation where we're in confusion. We can't land on anything. So, you, you know, you hear the narrative from the media says all of this alarmist stuff go buy toilet paper. Uh, and then, and then the numbers are so low that you know it causes that that break in consciousness. Consciousness, if you're not willing to do the work and feel the pain of your findings, which unfortunately so many people are not willing to do, 
then you have to go into this, you know, uh, dumbed down, numbed out, dissociated state, traumatized place where you're so vulnerable then to any little suggestion, any little instruction. That's why everybody runs out and buys toilet paper when they should really be buying food. Now that's sort of behind us, but it's just an example of when they cause that kind of confusion. You can't, you know, Canadians, they're, they're begging for the rules. Please just tell me the rules and I'll follow the rules. It's six feet, then it's 13 feet, then it's, it's no mask and then it's a mask and then it's no mask. And, you know, we can't even satisfy our desire for someone to control us here because they don't want us controlled as, you know, I mean, they want us controlled, but they want us traumatized. They want us broken. They, I think, ultimately are trying to kill the soul. So many people have talked about it like it's a spiritual war. So how, how do we fight this spiritual war? Because that actually starts to make me feel high and happy. If it's a spiritual war, it's like, then I'm on it. What would you say? Right. How, do you, how do you fight that? How do you be a warrior in a spiritual war? Well, first of all, just to address what you were just saying uh, about uh, the, the information, the, the, you know, the distribution of, of information, uh, they tell you the numbers are way high. Then the next day they tell you the numbers are way low. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. You know what this is called? This is called gaslighting. Right. And the whole purpose of gaslighting is to create confusion so that it causes inaction in the victim. So they want you to the point where you're so confused, you don't know what's going on, that you just shut down. So then you'll stay at home in your house and hide under a blanket with a mask on because you don't know what to do because you don't know what's true and what's not true anymore. And then they got you and that's what it's about. And this is where it becomes very spiritual, very, very, very fast. So my advice for people, whether you don't want to hear it or not get back in prayer read your bible okay get close to god have that gift of a sound mind that he says he'll give us in these times don't be afraid cast your fear aside fear is not from god okay let's make that perfectly abundantly clear for people the creator of this universe did not give you a spirit of fear that is not from him that is not from God. That is not holy. That is not righteous. It is not something that you need to have. So discard that spirit of fear. Get close with the Lord. Uh, walk a path, a spiritual path. Whichever path you choose is fine. But uh, make sure you're clinging close to the creator. And you'll have a clear mind to look at this stuff. You won't have the confusion. See, that's the thing. Your average person is looking at the TV and they're so afraid and confused, they don't know what to do. So they just follow orders and that will lead you right to destruction right there. But if you could see with a sound mind what's going on, you'll know in your heart, in your soul, what's going on and you'll oppose it. So that's what we need to do. We need to stand up and say, no, I don't consent to this. This is not the future I want. This is not what I signed on for. This is not what we elected you clowns to do. Uh, and the unelected clowns like Bill Gates that are having all this uh, wild say in things with no, no vote from the people or, or no okay from the people, it's not okay. It's not gonna stand. And someday you're gonna answer to a higher court, whether it's an earthly court 
or a heavenly court. You're going to answer for your crimes. And that's the way that it is. So I can tell people, I mean, get rid of the fear. First of all, there's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, if you go back, like say six months, were you afraid to go outside without a mask on? Were you afraid to get within six feet of people? Were you afraid to go to the to a restaurant and sit down and eat? The answer is no, you weren't. People were going about their normal everyday lives and routines. But now, just over the course of a few short weeks, people are looking at each other with sideways glances, wondering, hey, that guy, I wonder if he's got it. Does he have that? Is he going to give me this, this sickness? Is my grandma going to die because I give it to her? It's ridiculous. This is a spirit of fear, and it's a satanic spirit. And don't let it consume you. And I see too many people letting it consume them. And uh, whether you agree with Christian theology or not, I can tell you, um, whether you agree with it or not, there's a lot of truth in it. So, you know, you need to be aware. Um, you know, I would advise people, even if, if you don't take the Bible at literal face value, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's a lot of truth contained in that book, whether it comes directly from source itself or if it's been misconstrued by man, there's still a lot of important truths documented in that book. And it contains pretty much uh, the entire human experience within it. And you could learn a lot from it. So I would just urge people at this time, draw close to God, the Bible, pray. These are important things right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, cast off that spirit of fear. Amazing. So good. I just heard, heard uh, someone talk about a, a verse. I'm not that great at, uh, at the Bible verses, but I want to share this because the spirit is exactly what you're talking about right now or, or really related that uh, it seems like when I need it most, something from the Bible will come my direction, th usually through somebody. I haven't been super successful at making sense out of the Bible, even though I was a Christian as a, as a child and I memorized hundreds of Bible verses but uh, I've come, I've really come to God through my own inner experience. And that's what's, you know, it keeps proving to me rather than some religious group or some church or something like that. It, it is an internal working that's going on. And, and this nugget came my way. So you might have to help me with it. And it was when Moses was being told by God to um, go and tell, was it, now I'm going to ruin the story, but there, it's uh, go tell the Pharaoh that, we're, we're breaking our people out of slavery here. And Moses asked, Moses asked God, well, by what authority should I tell them I'm being sent by? And, uh, and God said, I am. Right. By the authority that I am. Yes. And that's, that's very powerful because uh, God, see your relationship with God, it's not about religious dogma, which is what all mainstream organized religions would have you believe. Uh, they have their very dogmatic thoughts about things and oh this is a sin that's a sin oh you're you're bad if you do that you shouldn't do that if you're a good christian blah 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 blah. all of that stuff that's all man-made dogma okay uh, it's what's more important than that is your relationship with god it's it's a relationship spirituality is a relationship with god and your word is what counts and not what other people think about you and that's what you need to know so yeah. like I said, draw close to God, pray, read the Bible, understand some things, pray for wisdom. Uh, 
cast off that spirit of fear because that's not from God. That's not godly at all. And, uh, you know, it does encompass a, a lot of what's wrong with society today, that spirit of fear. It's prevalent with anxiety. People worry about tomorrow. They worry about their finances. They worry about this. They worry about that. Um, that's, that's a spirit of fear. It's all fear. It's fear-based. Everything they're doing right now is fear-based. It's how they control you. This is how you, you get controlled and led away uh, from what you should be doing and how you should be. So when you're operating from a position of fear, you're pretty much ready to follow whatever directions you're given. Whereas if you're operating from a place of a sound mind, and that's important because God will give you a clear sound mind to see these things. And you look at these things and understand this is madness watching people walking around in masks, afraid to go near each other, walking in one direction in the supermarket, standing behind a blue piece of tape to stay you know, per, uh, proper distance from somebody. This is madness. This is not a sound mind. This is the spirit of fear. This is the enemy of your soul. And he's coming for you, whether you're ready or not. If you want to refer to him as a he or a power or whatever it is, it's here. It's very real. It's a spiritual battle. Put on the whole armor of God. That's mm. what the Bible advises. Mm. Have that sound mind. Be able to identify this for what it is. And you'll be able to stand against it in that day. That's so beautiful. I love that a lot. We were at a demonstration the other day in uh, Winnipeg here. And it was just a couple or maybe at the most 300 people. But it was a start. And what I noticed, something very beautiful happened is that, you know, we were given instructions to social distance to be six feet apart. And people didn't do that. It, it would have been extremely awkward to do it. And, and to do it properly, we would have had to get into formation like the military does. Right? There would have been this, you know, you'd have to line up, you'd have to get in parallel lines but you could see the soul of the group in that moment. And it wasn't an act of rebellion. It wasn't an act of like, you know, F you and your social distancing. There was just an organic decision that we were just there and we were being with each other and we were holding this spark of divinity in all of us. And we were just there and we were sharing space and gathering. It was a kind of, you know, communion that is not that communist version, right? That's the the uh, communism is the inversion, the corruption, the perversion of communion coming together uh, over a common goal and wish for people to be free and happy uh, and healthy and truly healthy, pointing out all the things that nobody's doing for our health. Nobody's sending me vitamin C. Nobody's uh, telling me to go get fresh air and sunshine and exercise. Nobody's giving me the things that I should be eating. Nobody's pointing me towards uh, faith and that foundation that would give you all of the energy and inspiration that you need. You know, so it's so clear. If it's not clear to you yet, I know I've got people, I've got naysayers watching these videos. They're, they're watching me right now. If it's not clear to you yet that they don't hold your best interest, they're not for you. They're not keeping you safe. And honestly, now anybody that says this to me, I'm, I'm doing this to keep your, you safe. Like it, the Costco lineup in this stupid, you know, outside the grocery store, the lineup is a quarter mile long. Instead of having employees help you have a like easier experience like they used to, 
Now they are your security guards keeping you safe. And I'm yelling back, going, by what authority are you keeping me safe? By what, what qualifications do you have to keep me safe? That Justin Trudeau, a politician, has a politician ever lied to you? Why do I think you're going to keep me safe? Why, do I, why would I give you permission to talk to my children, which is now they're, they're starting to talk direct to the kids. Oh, I'm so sorry. You have to do your homework at the kitchen table now, but just stick with it. You know, what authority do you have to parent my children? You don't have any authority. You don't have God's authority. You, you are, are shunning God. You're going against God. Right. And that's true. I mean, and that's what this whole thing's about. It's a total inversion of uh, the natural law and the natural system. These people, let's, let's put it as bluntly as we can, okay? In no uncertain terms, these people that are heading up this stuff, they want to become God in no uncertain terms. They want absolute control over everything. They want immortality. And they see this as being a possible thing right now, more so than ever, through the use of advanced technologies. And that's primarily what I write my books about. It's, it's a, an ideology called transhumanism, okay? This is what they want. And this stems all the way back to the ancient mystery schools of Babylon and pre-recorded history, okay? This is what they've always wanted to achieve. This is what they call the quote-unquote great work, uh, the uh, quote-unquote philosopher's stone. They want this, to become God, to control everything in this world. And they're doing it by absolutely inverting the natural order. And that is so much of what you see going on in the world around us right now. Total inversion of everything. Up is down, left is right, uh, black is white, uh, male is female. I don't know how much more blunt I could be about it. It's about total inversion. They're switching everything up. They're creating a total artificial system so that they can control everything because they can't control the natural God-given system. And so what they have to do is create an artificial system within that they can control and be the gods of. And this is what they plan to do by the merging of their minds with a computer network. And this is what it's all about. And this is the big daddy conspiracy behind everything going on in the world today. It's behind all of it. This is the ideology that's backing it. transhumanism. It's what's going on in the world today. Make no mistakes about it. Make no bones about it. Go look it up. If you don't believe it, go look it up. It's exactly everything that's wrong with this world today and why everything is wrong with this world today. And this is what they want. They want to become God in no uncertain terms. And they want to control you like a slave, like a puppet, like a robot. And that's why they do the things they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is, I just wanted to ask you this question, and I think it might be right in the title of your book there, but it is the transhumanism, the inversion of alchemy? Yes, it's absolutely, it's an abuse of alchemy. They use alchemical principles, but they, they use a corrupted form of alchemical principles to achieve the concepts that they want. It's a total iner- inversion of natural law. When you look at alchemy, alchemy is natural law. It's, it's the natural world, natural laws that were put in place by our creator. This is how everything operates here and it it operates in harmony. What this is, is this is a disharmonious use of alchemy to create completely artificial things that they can control. And by and large, what you'll find when you start to go looking is this uh, perversion of alchemy is called cybernetics. Understand cybernetics, study cybernetics. This is what 
it's all about. Cybernetics is the science of systems control, whole systems control. And that's a, a far cry from how we're taught in our school system today. They break down our subjects into these separate subjects, these little 40 minute classes or whatever. And a lot of people are seeing this right now with the homeschooling and stuff going on, okay? So you could see how your child's thought processes are divided up into these little bitty uh, segments. And these things don't ever overlap, like your math never overlaps, your social studies work or anything like that, or your science. They're all divvied up into these little short subjects, which keeps their attention span short, first of all, and keeps these ideas all separated in their mind. And this is the opposite. This is the opposite of how cybernetics works. Cybernetics is a holistic approach. They look at everything from a whole systems perspective, and this is how they obtain control of things. And uh, everything we're going through right now, it's all a broken cybernetic feedback loop. That's, that's why they keep using historical narratives and archetypes again and again, and mythological archetypes again and again, because they know if they do A, they'll get result B from this through the use of the cybernetic loop. So that they keep using these same concepts. They just maybe change up the, you know, the decoration on it. They change the face on it a little bit, but it's the same thing. That's why you have all these same story archetypes. There, there's only what, like uh, they say, what, anywhere from like 12 to maybe 30 different story arcs or something. That or even could, one. Or even one. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. But this is, this is why mythology is important. This is why a lot of this stuff's important because these are archetypal ideas that could be used to model something else. You just change up the, 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 you know, the stage art on it and, and you could roll it out and know what the ends are going to be. And uh, these cyberneticists and these people in control the ends always justify the means for them. And that's where, you know, you run into uh, a problem with uh, morality there because they, they think that the ends always justify the means. Whereas if you're a moral, spiritual person, they don't. Getting there is what's important. It's, it's the, the, whole, the whole journey is what's important if you're, you're going at it from a spiritual perspective. And uh, you don't want to harm anybody. Like, you know, harm no one. That's, that's basically, you know, what all religious philosophy should be in a nutshell is do no harm. Mm -hmm. Just like doctors are supposed to first do no harm. But uh, the thing is, these people, they don't care who they harm along the way because they just want to achieve their goal and they use science or what they call science to get there. And they don't care who gets hurt along the way. Yeah, it's like you said, the ends justify the means, right? So we're getting smart cars and they're driving for us and they're going to decide whether to hit the 65-year-old grandma or the 12-year-old girl based on some kind of, oh, well, it's, you know, grandma lived her life, so we're going to save the 12-year-old girl. And, and, you know, in that frame of mind, you're trapped into thinking, oh, I have to kill grandma or I have to kill the 12-year-old girl. But if you check in with your morals, it'll say, don't kill anybody. Don't right. drive that. Don't let that smart car drive for right. you. You you be the decision maker. Right. And it's even what's even more disturbing than that is they actually have some school curriculums and stuff now where where they, they give children uh, like the, these moral type dilemmas, like you're trapped in a, a boat out at sea with like four different people and uh you know, you have to choose which one has to die, like based upon whatever. And these are horrible scenarios to try to, you know, 
present to an immature mind, but yet they do that. And I, I've heard examples of this. I, I, I'm, you know, it's escaping me off the top of my head, but I've heard similar like, you know, examples of what this is. You're, you're trapped in a boat or something and, you know, there's only room for two of you and there's three there. You have to decide who you're going to throw out or whatever based upon here's the information. And that's a horrible moral dilemma. And it's not a dilemma that uh, people should have to like make up their minds, especially like a young, immature mind. They shouldn't be presented with this because that kind of infuses the idea. Well, this is okay. You know, and that's, that's kind of a subjective morality right there. Uh, yeah, so, it also sets up that, uh, that they can't win morally, right? That there will always be, uh, they will have to step down from their moral grounds, they will have to go against their own soul. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's to strip yeah. the, the whole moral fiber from people uh, to, you know, to make you believe there's no absolute right or wrong, mm -hmm. that everything, it's all subjective. So, you know, it's, it's what they, they want to do, they want people to be like amoral, not necessarily immoral, but amoral, to, to not have moral concerns or to, you know, think that their behavior is justified no matter what, that it's all subjective. And mm -hmm. that's not the case. I mean, the, the creator of this universe has set absolute moral grounds here. And uh, people instinctively know these. They know it's wrong to kill, for instance. Yeah. But I mean, that there's always some kind of moral justification that comes up for these things uh, in a lot of cases. And, you know, this has to do with secular humanism and that kind of thing, because people don't want to acknowledge that they're answerable to a higher power. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. They're mm -hmm. afraid of being answerable to a higher power. So yeah, that's, that's why the, you, mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of the catch 22 we live in with a lot of this stuff because you know your standard you know people that would call themselves atheists or agnostics or whatever they don't want to acknowledge that there's a god because if they do so then they have to adhere to a higher moral ground of things and uh they're they're afraid of that prospect because mm -hmm. then they become answerable to something you know mm -hmm. so it, it's it's something that a lot of people aren't comfortable with and that's the main reason that they go there. Now, here's another thing that's key with this too. Um, that's our country is actually based on. All right. And, and this is something that this atheistic crowd loses sight of. And uh, this is this, this goes back to the declaration of independence. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Where do your rights come from? Your rights come from God, not from man. But if you're an atheist, you don't believe in God. So then the moral contract between government and you is null and void. So they can treat you like an animal if they want. They can treat you like cattle with moral repercussions. And this is from their perspective. This isn't me saying this. Mm -hmm. This is from their perspective. And this is how they view it. So why would they want to create a whole world full of atheists? That's why. Then they're not morally answerable to that higher power that they know intrinsically exists, but they don't want to get there. That's why they're pushing the transhumanist thing. They don't want to die. They want to live here. They want to become immortal here on this plane, in this reality, so they don't have to answer to that. And that's why they work so feverishly towards these things with these technologies and stuff. And there's a little secret for you that, you know, people need to know. 
if you're an atheist, you pretty much give up your God-given rights in the eyes of government. And that's something that people need to take very seriously. Good point. Wow, that's amazing. Um, I've been hearing something, maybe you can help me with this, around, say, in a court of law, they always have a Bible. There, there are signs that, you know, like you said, they are, you know, the ends justify the means. It's, it's almost like the dark forces out there are actually answering to God, even though they're promoting atheism. But they themselves, right? That's why there's all the predictive programming. They tell us, oh, here's how we're going to harm you. As soon as you don't, uh, or as soon as you're, you have tacit consent, even if you just simply didn't see it, you didn't look, that, that's a tacit consent. And then the blood is on, then on our hands. Is that true? The blood is on our hands? Oh, that's the way they see it. And this uh, stems back to uh, the secret societies and the teachings of the ancient mystery schools, that kind of thing. Uh, this is something, this is a concept that I call, I don't know if anybody's got a better name for it, but I call it metaphysical consent. Okay. They seek your metaphysical consent to do these things to you because in their eyes, if they tell you what they're doing and you just look at it and don't respond to it or acknowledge it at all, then that's the same as giving them your consent to do that to you. And that's how they view it. And they, they kind of see this as a way to kind of skirt karmic principles. So this, this is what's going on, why there's things like predictive programming and that kind of stuff going on. Uh, they put it out there. They show you, here, here's what we're going to do. Uh, watch this episode of Black Mirror. You know, that kind of thing. This is what's coming in your future. Are you good with it? Is anybody going to, you know, say, hey, you know what? I don't think that's a good idea. We shouldn't pursue that. Nope, nobody's saying anything. So guess what? They're rolling it out. Uh, you can see that going on right now. Uh, it's, it's, it's like that. That's why they do this predictive programming stuff. Because in their view, it uh, kind of skirts karmic principles. And it's kind of along the same lines of the same reason why they try to promote a culture of atheism. Is because if you don't acknowledge God, then, you know, you don't have God-given rights. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's no moral dilemma on the mm -hmm. parts of the controllers there. Then. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So they, that's, that's kind of another way they skirt karmic principles is, is with this. And this is from their viewpoint. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't believe this. I think they're going to be held accountable and answerable someday one way or the other. You do. Yeah. But okay. this, is, this is just the teachings from you know, the, the perverted uh, aspects of alchemy and the mystery schools that stem back to the, the ancient brotherhoods back in Babylon and, and even beforehand that have been, you know, kind of brought forward today through these different occult organizations. So this is kind of the viewpoint that these people at the top of the power structure have. They see that, you know, if they're not, if you don't acknowledge God, therefore you have no God-given rights and therefore they're not violating any of God's law that way in their viewpoint. And same thing with this uh, uh, whole predictive programming thing. If, they're, if they get your metaphysical consent, which this is how they view it, they skirt these karmic principles, then they have no repercussions for it. So this, this is kind of how they try to do things because they're trying to not get blowback for this, for their actions, because they know intrinsically what they're doing is wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Wow. Also, we were talking and the king archetype is one that is very prevalent, as you can tell in in my world. Uh, In my book, there's eight primary archetypes that make up the hero's journey, the path of purpose that show the value of purpose, that show how it's not enough to just slay your own demons and dragons. It's what you're doing, Wayne. You, You took your findings and you came back to the people with it. That's what makes the the whole of the hero's journey that someone could then get the benefit. Like you said, even if there's one person having a breakthrough right now, it's absolutely worth it to be out here doing this and taking this time. That uh, that tyrannical king, we see so much evidence for it in the world. And it's the reason that I hammer on purpose is their their only purpose is, is self-power, right? It's actually that whole entire agenda of wanting to be God, wanting to be that ultimate you know, decision maker, controller, creator that they can never be. It's not, it's just not possible. But with that powerful desire, uh, you, you turn into this hungry ghost for power. You just keep doing things to, to uh, become more and more in control, more and more powerful. But in the process, you become more and more bankrupt of your own soul. Yep. That's why there's that old adage, uh, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that's what it's all about. Because we, as being imperfect men, are not capable of wielding supreme power like that without abusing it. It's just not something that's in our makeup. Uh, You know, it's not something we're able to do. Uh, Imperfect men can never rule over imperfect men. And that's why, you know, God set out his you know, this created world that, uh, that functions absolutely without hitch when left alone. I mean, that's why, uh, when you look at nature, nature always does things at the proper time. Okay. Mm. Like you'll never see the sun not rise when it's supposed to rise. I mean, that's a given because this is a perfect God made thing. Man-made things are imperfect and they, they, they break down and uh, they fail to function how they're supposed to at some point. And this is a concept called entropy. But uh, in the natural world, things always continue on in the cycles that they've always continued as for as long as we could look back. So when you're looking at this, you know, the, the world that we live in, the, the God made created world, the, the natural world per se with the natural laws, it functions how it's supposed to. But then when you get imperfect men who want to grasp for that cradle of power, this Lucifer archetype per se, uh, then that's when you start to see trouble come about. This is when you get things like conflict and uh, chaos. And then, you know, their, their adage is ordo ob chaos, order out of chaos. So they try to impose their will on you through order by creating the chaos first. And this is so much of how they plan and do things. They, they create the problem, uh, they incite the reaction they want from the public, and then they present the solution to the problem, which they had all along because they created the problem. And in so doing, they, they grasp tighter and tighter reins of control over the minds of men. And that's what's been going on from time immemorial. And this is a lot of what is taught throughout these different secret societies and occult orders throughout the world, all throughout history, is they teach you how to control the minds of men. That's what it's about. They teach you to manipulate and how to do this stuff. It's, it's, there's an actual science behind it. 
this mind control technology and science. And it's been passed on down through the generations through these secret orders. And uh, only the people that get to the very top, the very much elect ones, as they call them, the, the, uh, the quote unquote elite, they get taught some of these secrets, how to control others. So this is, this is what goes on at the topmost levels of these secret societies. <coughs> oh, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, such a big thing to be looking towards. I'd love if you could talk a little bit about the specific situation that is looming for us right now. Of course, you know, like you said, creating the, the problem, they created a pandemic, whether uh, real or Otherwise, we don't exactly know, and it's not necessarily the thing to be fighting about either. But in the meantime, we are looking at this onslaught of uh, so-called treatment that we have to wait for. You know, even the even the medical treatments that were available, they didn't even run with them. <laughs> and there's so many more things. Every natural practitioner out there, and everyone who's had to use one, I saved my life from cancer using natural means and working with energies and archetypes and mythologies um you know so so we're we're being faced we're, we're being told like oh nothing is going to go back to normal until everybody on earth has a vaccine right and i know you have a lot of uh experience with this firsthand and knowledge and you know what what can we tell people right now that can poke a hole in the reality if 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 they're that person that is is waiting like please I want your vaccine so I don't die, so everybody doesn't die. There are so many holes in the theory. I'd love for you to say and speak from your knowledge about this. All right. Well, as far as the vaccine thing goes, first of all, um, coronaviruses have been around for a long time. And <coughs> excuse me, I got this tickle in my throat that won't go. No worries. Anyway. Do you want to get a drink? <laughs> no, I'm good. Thank you. Okay. But anyway. Coronaviruses have been around a long time and they've never been able to successfully develop a vaccine for them. That's why they don't have a vaccine for the common cold. Okay. Cause yeah. essentially that's what this is. A coronavirus is generally known as a mild common cold and they don't make vaccines for them because they can't, because when they've tried, they've been uh, extremely deleteriously bad for the health of the, the person that they're vaccinating for. So, you know, it, it's, it's not a good thing. But uh, aside from that, vaccination in and of itself is very flawed. And uh, I could tell you, uh, just from my own research, um, the, the stuff that they put in vaccines, you don't want to inject it into your body. You don't. I mean, even if you're just looking at it from a moral perspective, okay, I, I take issue with aborting or, yeah, with, with injecting aborted fetal cells in my body Sounds because that's what's me. in Right. So just from a moral standpoint, you should be able to say no to this. Okay. Because anything that's labeled, if you look at these vaccines, the ingredients in them, anything that's got a label MRC5 or WI38, these are aborted fetal cell lines. This is an aborted fetus. Okay. This is tissue taken from an aborted fetus, which they, they culture in the lab to grow uh, this viral material in that they inject into you in the vaccine. And you get this, uh, this aborted child's DNA and there's, there's other ones too. There's uh, a new strain that they use of these aborted fetal cells called Walvax 2. And these were developed in China just a few years ago, but this, these are cells that come from, I think it's nine different 
aborted infants that they use to create this cell culture to put this viral material in. So even just from the moral standpoint, I think that's wrong. Not to mention uh, there's the potential for DNA contamination, first of all, just from that. And then secondly, the other ingredients that they put in vaccines that they don't tell you about, uh, you, could, you could go, you could ask the doctor what's in the vaccine. I guarantee you they probably won't know. They won't know. Uh, if you look at the ingredients in vaccines, most vaccines now have what's called an adjuvant in them. And uh, an adjuvant, this is an ingredient that's put in there just to aggravate your immune system, to force it to respond to what they're injecting you with. And the most commonly used adjuvant is aluminum hydroxide. Now, aluminum has recently been linked in various studies uh, to show correlations in Alzheimer's, autism, and various other uh, neurological disorders. Mm -hmm. uh, and there's, there's numerous, numerous studies showing this, but yet they will say that the minuscule amount of the, the adjuvant that you get in the vaccine is not enough to cause any sort of reaction and your body will just naturally clear it without any problem. But what they don't tell you is that this aluminum adjuvant that they're using in these vaccines is a nano particulate uh, engineered ingredient. So they use the, these nano size uh, particles of, of the aluminum hydroxide and generally they, they put it in a coating of uh, some sort of a, an amino acid. Um, it's uh, polysorbate 80 is one of the common ones they use. So what this does is this causes your body to not recognize the adjuvant that the aluminum particle per se as being in a foreign material to your body. So so it doesn't attack it. So this gives the, uh, the aluminum a chance to migrate throughout your body and uh, any kind of nanomaterials that are under the size of 200 nanometers could freely cross the blood brain barrier. And I suspect this is what's going on uh, with a lot of things like autism and Alzheimer's, because what this does is this causes an, a type of encephalitis uh, in your brain and uh, it causes damage. And some of that damage could become long-term and you know, this causes the aluminum to bioaccumulate in your cells. And some people have problems methylating or processing out some of these heavy metals, uh, particularly people with specific gene mutations, one of which is a common one, which my son actually has, which is called the MTHFR gene, a mutation on this causes problems with methylation. So his body doesn't eliminate these, these toxic metals from it as efficiently as somebody that doesn't have this gene mutation. Mm. So this causes the metal to bioaccumulate in the cells and could cause all kinds of health problems. So, I mean, this is something that I see is going on. I'm not a doctor, okay? I'm not uh, anything of the sort with the medical field, but if I recognize this, why don't the medical professionals? And a lot of them are actually coming forward and, and recognizing this and putting studies out and stuff. Now. But they kind of get brushed under the rug because anybody who knows anything about the whole vaccine agenda will tell you that they'll say vaccines are settled science it's the miracle medicine of the 20th century blah 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 they cured polio and this and that when in fact the sole cause well the primary cause if not the sole cause as testified by dr jonas salk in congress of polio in the 1960s was the polio vaccine right the primary if not sole thing that caused that in the 1960s was the vaccine itself. So, I mean, it, 
it, it just boggles the mind. And then they, they play different games with the terminology and stuff. Like uh, if you don't call it polio anymore and instead you call it Guillain-Barre syndrome, well, guess what? There's no polio anymore because you have the polio shot. But you get this polio vaccine and you develop Guillain-Barre syndrome. You know what that is? It's just like polio. Yep. And that's these are the games that they play. They change the name around or they call it, quote unquote, non-polio myelitis. End quote. And it has it's exactly the same as polio, but it's not polio because it can't be because you have the vaccine. And that's how doctors diagnose a lot of this stuff. And uh, it, it's just crazy. And the whole science of vaccine science and I, I say science very loosely there because it is very loose because they don't actually use uh a placebo control group when they do vaccine studies, by the way, that's something a lot of people don't know. They don't use a control group. They don't use a placebo like you're supposed to. Basic uh, according science. To, right. According to scientific method. This stuff is not scientific at all. Mm -hmm. uh, and when you figure that your, your average uh, drug manufacturer puts billions of dollars into R&D of these vaccines, well, do you really think they're going to test the vaccine and say, well, you know what? It didn't test out right. It's not safe. It's not effective. We're not putting it to market after they spent billions of dollars developing it. No, especially when you take away their liability, which the 1986 law here in the U.S. did. Vaccine manufacturers, they have no liability if something goes wrong and a vaccine injures you. Not like these drug companies, these other drug companies, where if you take, uh, you know, this pill or something and it injures you or kills you, then your family could sue the drug manufacturer that doesn't happen with vaccines. Their liability has been waived. So they have, first of all, no incentive to make a safe or effective product. And then second of all, they, when they're spending billions of dollars uh, to develop these things, they're not going to not let them pass their scrutiny, especially when they're the ones that self-regulate. This is the thing. It is not any kind of a third party that, that goes through and tests these things for safety. This is the actual maker of it themselves when first of all, they have no incentive to make it safe or effective. And then they test it themselves and present their studies. This, is, this was our findings. And uh, they've been known to skew their data and uh, throw away any data that doesn't go along with what they want. So, I, I mean, there's, there's no accountability within the whole development of vaccines and that's a major problem and we should be uh looking at that with more scrutiny than we do and then let alone throw something like this an unknown element in there with this COVID-19 yeah they're going to develop a safe and effective vaccine within a year for this yeah sure okay you could line up and get that if you want I'm not going anywhere near it well this is actually a great point and I never have a good answer to it so I'm hoping you can give me one and it's that now I'm seen to be, and my kid who's not vaccinated is seen to be a danger to people. By the way, I did um, have a number of vaccines when I started traveling overseas in uh, the 1990s, early 1990s. I just was part of the medical model and I went to the doctor. I got probably, I don't know, five or seven different shots over the course of a time. And I was sick instantly. Before I left for my trip, I was sick. When I was on my trip, I was sick. Every single year I was battling with more colds, more flus, every little thing that came along, I couldn't deal with it. 
10 years or not even 10 years later, eight years later, I was uh, diagnosed with a stage four lymphoma. I was so sick. I almost died. It took me three years. And against the odds, I survived using, as I mentioned, some esoteric processes, reclaiming my life energy, my purpose, getting inside it. Now, now, you know, even my own family looks at me like a danger, right? We for, we forwent all Mother's Day things because, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to project too much onto them. And God bless you. I love you if you're, if you're watching this. And I thank you if you're watching this, even to have a, a slightly open mind. But, but so we're always being accused of putting the rest of the population at danger. Now, even if you go along with the theory and the philosophy being true, there's something so wrong about what they're saying. Can you help me to make a good argument here? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It doesn't make sense on the face of it, does it? If vaccines work, then what are you afraid of if you had your vaccine? That's the whole point. It's so uh, simple. Yeah, and then like, you know, even if you want to throw aside the argument that Congress, or sorry, not Congress, the Supreme Court said, quote unquote, vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. Supreme Court, they ruled that. Amazing. That vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. Even if you throw that aside, okay, and 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 just look at it how it's presented to us. If you're vaccinated, then you're fine, you're protected. You have nothing to worry about from an unvaccinated person. The one that's at risk is the unvaccinated person. So that falls on them. Okay. So it's it's you know, you should be more concerned about spreading something to them then much like they are with this whole COVID nonsense where they're saying you could walk around and not have symptoms, not know you have anything wrong and spread it to somebody and be asymptomatic and give it to somebody else. Which by the way, the study, the, the one sole study that they had that uh, even kind of hinted at the fact that you may be able to carry this asymptomatically and still spread it. They found flaws with it when they went back and looked at it. Mm -hmm. There were flaws with it and they threw it out. So. Mm -hmm. Now, now you got to figure that whole premise that you could not have symptoms and still infect somebody with it goes out the window. This has not been proven. Mm -hmm. It's not been proven. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at it from that perspective, who who should be the one that should have to worry about it? The unvaccinated person, right? Well, mm -hmm. that's a risk they should take on themselves because, see, with vaccines, we're supposed to have something called an informed consent. We're not given that. So, in a legal sense, like. That's, that's out the window. Like they've done harm to us. They, they violated their, their own code that they, they go by first do no harm. Well, mm -hmm. by not providing us with informed consent, first of all, and, you know, and then vaccinating us, just telling us, yeah, get the vaccine. It's good for you without giving us what they could, you know, could be construed in informed consent by telling us, first of all, what's in it, what's it supposed to do? What are the possible risks? They never tell you the risks, do they? Mm-hmm. No. The doctor will never tell you the risks. Chances are because they don't know. But look up one called Tripedia. Now, this is a, a, a DTaP vaccine. This is a, a specific brand of DTaP vaccine. Okay, it's called Tripedia, listed in the possible uh, side effects of it during their, is it the side effects? It's, I know it's on page 18 of the vaccine insert. Okay, if you look down there, it will list SIDS and autism as possible side effects from this vaccine. You think doctors know that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Here's one thing I get this too is that if I if I say something about autism, and the way that children have suffered that, people pop up and go, "Oh, 
you know, autism's just fine. It's, it's okay to be like that. There's no, it's nothing wrong. Don't point at us like we are some, uh, you know, accident that happened. Now you're speaking firsthand with two, two children with, with autism. What can you say back to that? I, I would say that that's a whole lot of nonsense. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not. Okay. I understand people want to be accepting and loving and stuff like that. Uh, but there's a point where you have to say, this is not okay. They are not just quote unquote different. Okay. Because uh, that's a big thing that a lot of people who try to support the autism community say is not lesser different. Yeah. As if that it's drives me anything. nuts because I'm sorry, it is not okay for a child to bash their head against a brick wall to the point of near unconsciousness because they can't express themselves because they don't have the capacity to do so. Uh, this is not normal. This is not okay. This is not just different and not lesser. This is a real problem. These, these kids have been injured, okay? They have neurological injuries. It's not okay. Uh, you, even with, I have two children on the higher functioning end of the autism spectrum, okay? And even that is a major challenge because we can't do normal things as a family, okay? Because it's like, we can't say go to the circus, all right? Because the crowd, it's too loud, it's too noisy. My child will have a meltdown. And I don't think people understand that. Like, you know, if they see a child misbehaving, well, you know, just my kid will never do that. No, no, you don't understand. An autistic meltdown, it's not something that you could say discipline out of them. That doesn't happen, mm -hmm. okay? It's it's their reaction. Their, their system gets overwhelmed. They can't take it. Uh, just something as simple as that. Plus then uh, they don't pick up on social cues as easily as other people. Like they don't understand, uh, you know, that you're angry at them or something. Like they, they don't pick up on that. Uh, also, another thing is if their routine gets interrupted in any way, shape, or form, well, that could be a potential meltdown too. Like you can't just spontaneously say, hey, hey let's go down to the park or down to the beach. No, it's it's three o'clock. I'm watching Wapner like on, on Rain Man. That's demonstrated right there. Mm -hmm. That This is how it is with kids with autism. It's like you can't just spontaneously go do something. Or if something unexpected happens and interrupts their cycle, it makes it all that much more challenging. So it's, you know, it's not something to be taken lightly. And yes, I love my children. Don't get me wrong. I, I love them to pieces. They're, they're great. And I'm so proud of both of them because they've overcome so many different difficulties and stuff that no child should have to overcome. And they're, they're doing so and they're still making great progress. But see, that's the whole thing. It's not anything that they should have to do. They should not have to struggle with day-to-day -day living. Like, I, I, my son is going to be 12 years old. He's still, I, I, it's still a challenge to get him to take a shower. I should not have to fight with him to take a shower. But mm -hmm. because of the autism, he just, it, it does not sync well with him. Like, he does not like doing so. And it's, it's a struggle to get him to do so. So it's, it's like little things like this, just everyday living, life skills. These things are challenges for children with autism, even on the higher functioning end of it. That's let alone saying uh, a friend a friend of mine on Facebook, his name's Greg Wyatt. He has two children with very severe autism. Mm -hmm. 
And he just posted something today about he never pictured himself having to change diapers on his 22-year-old child. Oh, boy. And this is what autism really looks like, people. It's not all, oh, it's just that nerdy guy with the computer that's a little socially awkward. That's not how it is. That's the fiction. That's called a rhetorical model of autism. And that's brought to you primarily through entertainment to normalize this whole autism epidemic. And I write about this in my book. And this is one of the things that drives me completely nuts is they want to normalize autism because in so doing, they're using this as a stepping stone towards transhumanism. And that's, that's what it's all about. Uh, and, and this makes me just crazy makes me crazy that people yeah. can't see that this whole thing is being allowed to go on when uh, they know at at the topmost levels let's not mince words here they know that the aluminum in the vaccines and the aluminum that they're spraying in the air and the aluminum and the other things that they're putting in our food and our water supply the this synergistic network of these things combining together is what's causing autism and they know it's causing it because uh what it does is it disrupts calcium neuronal channels in these people and causes these types of uh, uh, disorders. They know this is what causes it at the highest, most levels. And yet they let it go on because they have an agenda. And that's what drives me the most insane. They know what's causing it and they could do something to stop it, yet they don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people suffer because of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It, the children suffer and the parents suffer. And I'm so sorry that you've had to go through this because I'm sure you know what it would potentially be like without having to have that weight on your kids and, and on yourself. And, and it makes it even more of a miracle what you've done, Wayne, to, to step out and, uh, you know, because your hands are a lot more full as a parent than someone with uh, kids that don't suffer like that. So you know, yeah, it, it really is criminal at so many levels. It is. And that's the thing that bothers me most is because, you know, they, they allow this to go on now, whether, you know, they're actively engineering it a certain direction, which I think there's a lot of circumstantial evidence to show that they are um, or not, or whether they're just allowing it to happen. The point is they're standing back and doing nothing when there could be something done where this won't happen anymore with people. Okay. And they're just letting it continue and more and more people are suffering and the quality of life for some of these people just keep keeps degradating more and more. And here's the thing. Okay. And this is the part that's really disturbing is because in the very near future, they're going to roll out technology that will supposedly uh, fix this. Uh, what was the word Elon Musk used just a couple months back? He actually released an article where he thinks that they could quote unquote solve autism with his Neuralink device. This is what it's about. They're going to use these uh, uh, BCI devices, these brain computer interface devices, and they're going to present them as a cure for autism or that it will resolve autism. So this is what they're gonna roll out and they're gonna use the technology to go this way. And this is the first step into transhumanism. When you actually tie your brain to a computer, uh, this is, the first step for transhumanism and they're using our autistic children as guinea pigs for this and that is what really irks me to no end and that's why i wrote the book that i did and that's why people need to check this out and mm -hmm. and go take a, a serious look at it because uh i'm not making it up okay mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's all about cybernetics it's all about tying the human brain to uh 
a computer cloud network and it's all about transhumanism and uh, that's what they're using autism as a vehicle to achieve. What exactly is transhumanism for those that might be new to this concept? Transhumanism, okay, this is uh, the uh, attempt of man to merge himself with machines or computers to uh, become the next phase, the next step of evolution in mankind, which they call either post-human or human plus or transhuman, okay? So this is what it's about. They, this is what they, they term self-guided evolution. They wanna use computers and high technologies to advance the human being into the next state of evolution, the higher man, the H plus, the Uber man, the Uber mensch. Ever heard that term before guys? This is what it's about. This is transhumanism. This is what they're doing. And they're creating these whole uh, social engineering campaigns to support this stuff, especially as it pertains to the autism epidemic. Like, have you guys heard people refer to autism as the next step in human evolution? This is why, okay? Have you heard? If you go back and look at some of these, uh, these, these papers and stuff put out by a lot of these uh, anthropologists and paleo and anthropologists and stuff like that they're state they're saying that autism back uh when you go back through the uh, development of, of human evolution was a very important uh aspect to human evolution that that certain individuals in the past would you know when you go back to like the time with the neanderthals when they were interbreeding with modern man and stuff like this autistic individuals were very important to the survival of the species. And it was an important step of evolution. I'm not making this up. I have this stuff well-documented in my book. They're actually putting forth these claims in scientific journals and papers and stuff like that. And they're actually trying to equate autism with the next step of human evolution. And this is gonna be done through transhumanism. And I'm telling you, that's what this is all about. And they're allowing this to continue because they're using our autistic children as guinea pigs for their transhuman technologies. And I'm not making that up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Is it about dependency? Is it about creating dependency that, that uh, a person couldn't have an autonomous will and spirit? I think that partially has something to do with it. Uh, it also has to do with uh, the autistic brain has uh, many similarities to an artificial intelligence, a general artificial intelligence. And this is something I explore in the book as well. Uh, people could look at this because they actually will, will correlate an artificial intelligence with an autistic brain. And uh, there's a, a very specific quote about that uh, Watson computer that was on the Jeopardy show uh, a few years back. You remember that? That, that machine okay. that, that basically, uh, it's called Watson. And this was compared uh, to being, you know, compared to an autistic brain. And they used this to, on the TV show Jeopardy and it won, it won the match or whatever that it was in to try and tout, uh, you know, just how far they had come with artificial intelligence and they compared it to an autistic brain. And that's, that's what it's about because this is what they model a lot of the artificial intelligence models after. And this all has to do with something called the VPR model of intelligence. Now this gets all very technical and stuff and I cover it uh, in my book if people wanted to check that out. They should uh, for a little bit more details, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. you know, it, it goes quite deep, but there are correlations between artificial intelligence and autistic intelligence. And it has to do with Bayesian brain modeling and stuff like that. So if people want to check that out, I mean, there's, there's definitely something to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll definitely be sharing the links to purchase your book 
in the notes as soon as we jump off. Um, I have some more questions if you still have time though. Yeah, sure. You're such a wealth of knowledge. One of the subjects that I ended up writing about, I didn't even know I was going to write about it in my book, was the masculine and feminine archetypes that had been so prevalent in my life, but in a, an unconscious way. So you may have heard me say already, I am a recovering feminist. You know, my whole life I was acting like I created the feminist movement. I was out there saying women should take over the world, that all the problems that the, the world suffers is due to mankind. It was, it was a man thing. It was a patriarch thing. And I've completely awoken from that illusion. It's something that it, it, it's not real to me anymore. And I did a lot of deeper inner work with the masculine and the feminine archetypes coming to peace with the masculine that I was actually, you know, outside in my life, I was having all of these conflicts with men. And really, it was me having a conflict with my own inner masculine. Resolving it, I came to a completely different place. I know that you, you speak about this, the, the hermetic law of gender, the way that transhumanism and gender have interacted, transgenderism. What, what do you see right now happening, first of all, between men and women on earth and also with these archetypal energies, since you're so familiar with working in that arena as well? Well, basically they're, they're really screwing with these, uh, you know, uh, gender energies when it comes down to it. They're, they're, they're really socially screwing with this in a lot of big ways. And we see that uh, with the current transgenderist movement and stuff like that. And uh, nothing against any transgender people out there. You live the way you want to live. I'm fine with it. I don't have an issue with it. But I agree. when it becomes an agenda talking point that gets pushed on television and on the news and on every social media platform in your face 24-7 all the time where it's causing confusion and stuff like that, then it becomes a problem. And there's, there's a, you know, this is a very, very small percentage of the actual population. And they're pushing this in the mainstream, just very hardcore, okay? So that tells me there's an agenda and that's what I want anybody to be aware of. There's an agenda why they're pushing this. And this has to do with the further degradation of the family unit first and foremost and population reduction secondly. And uh, it also goes hand in hand with transhumanism because uh, you could actually look and see how the two are intrinsically linked. And I would recommend anybody who's interested in the topic, go look at a white paper called Post-Genderism Beyond the Gender Binary. And it spells it out in no uncertain terms that uh, through the use of technology, they're going to end gender differences, okay? And you could be whatever you wanna be. And it leads directly into transhumanism. Right, right. Yeah, that's an incredible thing that there's, there's so much confusion now. There is an, an alchemical truth in it too, right? That's been bastardized and corrupted. Can you describe what the truth of gender actually is and what we're supposed to be coming to? This is the, the uh, right. by the way, the alchemist is on the, the heel of the king archetype. So we're, the, the alchemist is calling us. Okay, well, here's the thing, okay. The, the alchemical principle of gender, the hermetic principle of gender Basically, what this states is all things have a masculine and a feminine aspect, okay? And we need to find balance within this masculine and feminine aspect because we all have a feminine side. We all have a masculine side, okay? And this goes for, for things, too, all things. That's why if you look at some of the older uh, languages or like the, what they call the romance languages, the Latin-based ones, objects have genders, inherent genders, 
this is why everything has gender aspects to it and it's a you know it's a spectrum i should say for one thing in a, in, a, in a sense, okay, and this is where it gets abused because they will say gender is a spectrum and there's, a, you know, how many ever different genders or whatever, but there's only two when it comes down to it. There's masculine and feminine and everything that uh, we find balance in rests somewhere in the middle because we both have these aspects to it, okay, and it, it's just like a, a magnetic field or an electrical pole. Okay. These are polarities. Okay. There's your positive and your negative. It's the same kind of thing. You have your masculine and feminine and one won't work without the other. And that's where we get a problem because they're trying to make everything unified. Just one, one thing, post-genderism beyond gender, one gender, unigender. That's what the whole, where the whole thing is leading. And that's what people don't understand. See, they're pushing it as this is freedom to uh, express whatever gender you feel like you are, but the end result of that is going to be the elimination of gender altogether. And gender is one of the big things of what it is to be human. It's part of the human experience. So what they're doing with this is they want to eliminate gender and therefore eliminating this important aspect of humanity. Therefore they're ending a portion of humanity with it. And that's alchemically what's going on. This is how it's kind of a bastardization of the natural science because we've always existed uh, somewhere within this, this uh, polarity, within the masculine and feminine, is with the balance with it. Because like I said, one can't exist without the other. So true. What I've noticed also when people go to work on it, when I go to work on it is, for example, I you know, put a lot of energy into embracing that masculine, seeing that it's not my enemy. It's something that it's, it's so you know, inextricably part of me. Like you said, they can't even exist separately. And it didn't make me more masculine to do that. It actually freed me up to be more of a woman, to be more receptive, to be more open, certainly to be, uh, you know, it was the birth of this whole entire King Hero series to suddenly, you know, for the first time in my life, have true respect for men. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that there, it's, I don't recognize bad behavior when I see it. I totally do. It hasn't put any wool over my eyes. But by balancing out my inner uh, masculine and feminine it hasn't degenderized me it hasn't made me more masculine in fact it's just it's just allowed me to be more feminine right and that that's the whole key i mean it's it's not really like trying to understand your like say your masculine side or me trying to understand my feminine side it's not going to demasculate me or make you any less of a woman in doing so it's it's an understanding that we have to have. It's a balance within ourselves. It's, it's the breathe in, breathe out kind of mm. uh, archetype. You yes. know, you, you breathe in, you breathe out. This is how everything works. It's all cyclical and it's all polarities. And this is how our reality operates. And the same thing, this principle of gender operates in very similar fashion to that. There's these polarities and uh, you have to find your balancing act between the two and you have to acknowledge both or if you don't, then there's a complete imbalance and then there's a real problem and it's totally unnatural. And that's what's going on with this whole post-genderism push is there, this is the direction they're pushing it in. They're pushing it towards the unnatural. And that's where it begins to be a problem because they're, they're trying to eliminate this aspect of, of humanity from the equation. And that's a very large part of what makes us human. So to eliminate that is to eliminate the humanness in and that's where, where this is going. 
Totally. And, and what does it mean to actually become balanced in that? Because this is where the confusion is that, you know, if a man is out there wearing heels and eyeliner, then that seemed to be more balanced, right? He's, he's embracing his feminine, but it actually couldn't be in my eyes. It couldn't be a sign of uh, more imbalance going on there. Right. So, I would say that probably is more of a sign of imbalance, that kind of thing, because that means they're not comfortable in their own skin. That's what it comes that's down it. to. Nice. So, yeah, I mean, so if you're trying to change your appearance based on that, then you're not comfortable in your own skin, then something's wrong. And, uh, you know, who, who could say for sure? I mean, I'm, I'm no expert on, on these kind of things by a long shot, but like, I, I would say you need to find that, that balance in yourself where you have that comfort level, where you're comfortable in your own skin. You recognize who you are and 